What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. All right, tail of the tapes, season two, episode number sixty. All right, so we're officially in June, which is our last month before summer break, so just a couple episodes left here before we return briefly in the fall to close out the 90s, so exciting stuff here as we inch toward the new millennium. On today's episode, we have Benefit and RZA. So I definitely have a fair amount of opinions to offer on both of these artists, um... Benefit I discovered early in high school when Napster came out. All of a sudden, there was this new, easy way to get any music you wanted without having to pay for it. And although it was all super new to everybody, it was still an awesome tool. I randomly came across some dude named Benefit doing some random searches on Napster and shit like that. And although you could tell dude's quality wasn't professional... His skill level seemed to be on some next level shit, at least on some tracks, or at least at that time period that I heard it. At the time, I wasn't fully aware of of what Benefit's deal was, just had a good 5 to 10 songs of his that I knew I fucked with. Um, Then I started to hear ramblings about how he wasn't a real rapper, but just some kid that recorded stuff on his computer and stuck it on the internet. A good decade or so went by, and not only did I not hear his name... But no new material whatsoever, and it got to a point where it was almost like this dude was a figment of my imagination. Then all of a sudden, he resurfaces in the mid-2010s and was even better than he was back in the day. I thought for sure this dude was here to stay, but again, he dropped a handful of random songs and verses and has yet to put anything else out. I was completely unaware of what Benefit's deal was and figured I'll get to him when I get to him. But I did think this dude had potential to be one of the greatest lyricists of all time. So not only was I excited to revisit some high school classics, but I was very intrigued to see not just where Benefit finished overall, but what his lyrical score was. Overall, I can't really say that I expected too much from him, but lyrically I expected him to press Eminem. As far as RZA is concerned, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to say most of the same stuff for RZA as I do with other Wu-Tang members. While I personally preferred RZA to Ghostface and some other artists, I still was never a giant Wu-Tang fan, and I can only remember having two Wu-Tang albums and one RZA album growing up. And even though I fancied RZA over some other Wu members, I actually always thought RZA was one of the weaker links, at least technically speaking. That's not to say as a person overall, I understand that He was basically the one that formed them and the glue that hold them together. So when I say that he was one of the weaker links, I don't mean in that way. I'm just talking, you know, lyrically and technically speaking and stuff like that. And while I knew most of Wu-Tang was locked in for good originality and impact scores, I was curious to see just how far that would carry Riz as I expected subpar scores in most other departments. Keep in mind that while RZA is certainly well-known and established as a rapper, he is undoubtedly bigger as a producer. So another rapper-slash-producer being covered here, and I'm always intrigued to see how these guys do. So, both of these artists had their debut albums out in 1998, and they will be the last two artists to come out in that year. But Benefit's album was out first, so we're going to start off with him. And keep in mind what I said about Benefit being one of the most unknown well-knowns in the hip-hop game. So, 
It was very difficult to find any information on him at all, but let's dig through what I was able to find and we'll take it from there. Birth name unknown. Years active are listed as 1998 to present. Also known as the Beneficial Disciple. Genres are listed as hip-hop and underground hip-hop. And his birthplace is listed as Florida, United States. So I spoke earlier about Benefit being on the internet and just absolutely disappearing. So not only does this dude have a very limited amount of material, but nobody really even knows anything about him at all. I can't seem to find his government name anywhere, not even on his own website. And it took me a lot of extensive searching to find anything that referenced either where he was from or where he lived. And Florida was the only thing that I could find. So while I don't know for sure if Benefit was born in Florida or relocated there later in his life, or quite frankly, if he's even from Florida at all, because like I said, there's hardly any information on this dude anywhere. And that's what I was able to find. So we're going to go with that unless I'm able to find something different at another time in the future. But I'm sure this is at least somewhat by design, so we'll leave the gaps there and move on to some additional info on Benefit. Benefit is an American hip-hop artist and producer. He is known for being the first artist to go viral on the internet and have his music spread globally with no recording or marketing budget. In 1999, Benefit created the album Benefit using a $5 microphone and $12 sound card. He partnered with underground music pirates to have his music distributed across a network of underground FTP sites. His music spread throughout the internet and went viral. By 2000, Napster had emerged and exploded as a controversial peer-to-peer -peer network for sharing music. In partnership with Chuck D from the hip-hop group Public Enemy, Napster held a contest where artists would write and perform a song in support of the platform. Benefit entered and won the contest that included over 800 other artists. His music went viral again on the Napster platform and spread globally reaching millions of people. In 2003 he released the special edition updated version of his original album containing additional songs. The album was again released by underground ripping groups and continued to go viral. No one knew what Benefit looked like and very little was known about him. In the years following the release of his music, there were widespread rumors that he had died. In 2013, Benefit resurfaced in an episode of the Vice Noisy Show, Live from the Streets, created by Mr. Green and Sam Lipman Stern. Since resurfacing, Benefit has released additional songs and has been featured on songs such as Metal Is Out, produced by Mr. Green on the album Unpredictable by Malik B. of The Roots. Benefit is featured in the upcoming Bloomberg documentary System Shock, which chronicles the story of the MP3 and how it brought a multi-billion dollar music industry to the brink of collapse, but also paved the way for our modern digital lives. So again, I had to dig very deep for that info, and while there is a decent amount there, it's very selective, but we do see that Benefit obviously had an extreme amount of success, at least on the internet, especially considering he was recording on a $5 microphone and had no label or budget. He not only won the Napster contest, but was basically the first artist to ever go viral on the internet. Very odd how this dude seems to not only be talented, but in demand, and yet seems to have no interest in taking advantage of his opportunities. I personally can't say I blame him because mentally I'm in the exact same boat, although I certainly don't have the audience he does, but I can understand where he's coming from for sure. So since there isn't an overabundance on Benefit as a person, let's get into my breakdown on Benefit as a rapper and see how that reads. 
Benefit is probably the most mysterious rapper of all time. I remember him taking the internet by storm in high school and then never heard his name again until a couple of years ago. Other times this was my fault and I had missed out on material I wasn't aware was being released. This was not the case with Benefit as he actually just completely disappeared. Early on he had times where he showed the ability to be great with multisyllabic rhymes but also had times where he used complex words and missed his opportunities only rhyming one syllable on the word. He also had some dope lines but reached for some punches as well. He did take some shortcuts and use some run on bars here and there but even through all of this early on the good still outweighed the bad. From his second album on he continued to grow. He was one of those people seemingly able to rap about anything as he showed the ability to tell good stories and keep a topic throughout a song. Although I did think it was odd how he had a bar about never recycling lines and then proceeded to recycle lines relatively often, he showed the ability to go absolutely insane on some verses and songs. Benefit is also the owner of one of the greatest hip-hop verses of all time, technically speaking, and finished as a good lyricist overall. Should Benefit decide to resurface again and keep this pace, he could wind up being one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Benefit only qualified two albums for scoring, both of which were recorded on his computer using a $5 microphone, and one of which was basically all just single verse songs, each aimed at a different rapper. One of those albums was good, and the other was a classic. The level this kid reached technically while recording verses in his home on a computer microphone is impressive all in itself. Of his 28 qualified songs, 8 were great, none were weak, and another 12 were good. This means over 70% of Benefit's music was good or better. When it comes to impact on the hip-hop game, there is a lot to be said about Benefit. He's the first rapper to use the internet to make his music independently go viral and won the Napster contest in a very publicized heated dispute between the platform and other music artists. That being said, he's also not very well known both in and outside of the hip-hop community and only has two albums and 28 songs and hasn't had any clear visible influences on any other artists thus far. When it comes to originality, again, there is a lot to be said on Benefit's behalf. For over a decade, no one even knew what Benefit looked like. That being said, there is some sort of originality to his mystery. On top of that, his approach to music, song topics, voice, delivery, rhyme style, and overall sound were all very unique to Benefit. So that essentially sounds like the write-up of someone who had incredible potential but never really filled that cup as much as he seemingly could have. So let's get into the numbers here and see how it added up for Benefit at the end of the day. Lyrics, he gets a 7, and you know, real quickly I just want to touch on this. It's the type of thing where if you look at what's happening, yes, overall, I think Benefit deserves a 7, but let's take a look at why. You have a kid who's probably relatively around my age, and when I discovered him, I was probably 14, 15 years old. So even if he's a little bit older than me, Benefit was probably still a teenager when he came out with that first album. So here you have a teenage kid who just comes out of the blue, and just starts writing and recording songs on a $5 microphone on his computer, uploads them to the internet, and goes viral, basically, strictly just based on his skill and originality. Now, when I talk about the two different Benefit albums, one obviously came later than the other. On his second album, 
he definitely cleaned up a lot of technicalities. There were much less shortcuts, much less run-on bars, much more multi-syllabic rhymes and things like that, and much less reaches for some iffy punchlines. So, Benefit was still above average on his very first thing when he was a teenager that he recorded on a $5 microphone, but he was much better on the second one, which was able to climb him to a 7. But again, keep in mind what's going on here. And also keep in mind that there's only 28 songs total. So let's just, you know, play devil's advocate here, give a hypothetical situation and say there's 14 songs on each album, which I don't know if there was. But to have a scenario where you've made a pretty solid improvement on your second album, that means that 50% of your music at this point was not up to the level that it could be. And I'm not saying that Benefit shouldn't have put out that first album because it hurt his score. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the potential and the capability that this kid has is far beyond a 7 for sure. But we have to keep that early stuff in mind. Again, that's not to say that it was bad, but it was just slightly above average. Maybe 5.5, maybe 6, something like that. Whereas the second album was probably closer to steadily an 8. But again, you have to put those two together. So if we have a six and then an eight, that's going to average out to a seven. So, and then on top of that, we have some more recent stuff, which it's not any albums or an overabundance of material, but there is a handful of songs in which he's probably steadily a nine on. So very little body of work here from this person, but every body of work that's presented climbs dramatically. So right now, currently... Benefit probably is one of the greatest lyricists of all time, but if we take his whole body of work into consideration, that teenage kid that was rapping on his computer at 15, 16, 17 years old, whatever he was, that holds him at about a 7. But again, should Benefit come out with another album, that's then going to be 33% of his material, so it wouldn't be that hard for him to raise his lyric score should he be as impressive on that new album as he was on some of his later stuff. So, again, I want to reiterate that, yes, overall, Benefit gets a 7 lyrically, but definitely has the capability and the potential to be one of the greatest lyricists of all time, and I have no doubt about that in my mind. So, both as a fan and as somebody who's really, really invested in this study, I really hope that Benefit comes out with another album. I really think that it would it would work in his favor, and I always like to see people get the credit that they deserve. So it's Benefit's choice. Should he choose to never put out any more material, then these are the scores that he's going to get based on what he has put out before. But I think that Benefit is better than a 7, and I really would like to see him come out and prove that. So we're going to leave that at a 7 for now. And me personally, I'm going to hope that Benefit comes out with some more material. Although I'm not very hopeful of that as this guy just disappears and then once or twice every decade he just comes out with a random song or something like that. So again, not overly hopeful that he comes out with more material, but we'll have to wait and see. Albums, he gets a 5.61 with one classic. And not only is this a solid album score, but 50% of the albums that he put out were classic. This is... I mean, I don't even know the wording to use. It's odd and it's mind-blowing. I mean, you'd be very hard-pressed to find somebody that came out and recorded an album on their computer on a $5 microphone. I know my cousin R. Forms recorded his debut album on his computer 
and he doesn't have you know any type of microphone or anything it's just a little built-in mic that comes on the mac which i know is not good quality but i mean in all reality it's probably better quality than a 1990s you know little computer microphone i, I don't know if you guys remember those things that used to come with the desktops they you know it looked like a little stick with like a little thing on the end of it so for somebody to just randomly make two albums with no marketing or recording budget and just record some shit on their computer on a $5 microphone as a teenager and 50% of the shit that they put out is classic material on top of this really solid album score, again, we can see the potential of this person that, again, probably by choice, he just didn't take and run with, but... You know, I don't want to blow things out of proportion and say, well, you know, Benefit really could have been one of the greatest of all time, so that's how I'm going to score him. That's not what I'm going to do. We've had this discussion about Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky before. When you go through the points per game numbers, they're very similar. But Wayne Gretzky played 20 seasons when Mario Lemieux probably only played about 9. So you have to give the guy credit that was able to get these numbers over a longer period of time. I have to score what Benefit did, and that's exactly what I did. I scored what Benefit did. So he's going to get the numbers that he's going to get unless he comes out with some new material. But I do want to just point out how actually fucking good this kid is and how even though, okay, only two albums, all right, 50% of his material is classic. Well, what about Eminem? You know, Eminem had, what, 20 albums and 70% of it was classic? What about Jay-Z? Jay-Z had, you know, 25 albums and... 50% of it was classic, that's obviously more impressive. Well, yes, it is, for sure. But again, keep in mind that this is a teenager randomly recording shit on his computer. So to even reach that level, and even be mentioned in the same sentence with an Eminem or a Jay-Z as far as your classic ratio is concerned, I mean, that's fucking mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. Songs, he gets a plus 2.9. We speak about this all the time. If you're plus or minus a full point in this department, it starts to become significant. Almost a full three points here for Benefit. That came with only 28 songs in total. Eight of those songs were great with none of them being weak, and that came out to 29% of his material. You move the decimal point, he gets a plus 2.9. So again, very, very, very solid stuff here from Benefit, and that's another number that I think should Benefit come out with more material. He could probably raise all three of these scores that we've gone through so far. So, Impact, he gets a four. And, listen, I know that the that a four is a low number, but this could have really been closer to a three or a three and a half had Benefit not gone viral on Napster. So, not only is going viral a big thing, but being the first rapper to ever go viral on the internet, period, is even a bigger thing. So I think that just that fact alone carries benefit to a four. I don't want to ignore that, okay? Yes, we do have to keep in mind no clear visible influences on any other artist to date. We do have to keep in mind only two albums. We do have to keep in mind only 28 songs. We do have to keep in mind that this guy disappears for a very long time. Nobody really knows anything about him. We have to keep all of that stuff in mind. But again, we also have to keep in mind that regardless of the fact that he disappears and hasn't really done anything else, he still was the first rapper to go viral on the internet, which is a very big thing. I don't think that that carries him up to a 6, 7, 8 or anything like that because I think his impact score is so low without that that that's what carries him to a 4. 
But I mean, that's probably worth, you know, a half a point or a point on its own right there. So I think that altogether, all things considered, Benefit gets a below average score of four in the impact department. And originality, he gets a nine. I mean, like I spoke about, man, just almost everything about this kid was original. It's not really the type of scenario where somebody totally out of left field where they're dressing absolutely retarded or, you know, they're wearing things that nobody else on the planet ever wears or things like that. So not an overly ridiculous character, but I mean, just the fact that this kid just recorded shit on a $5 microphone on the computer, got this shit on Napster and was the first artist to go viral... I mean, that's original in itself. On top of that, just his approach to music, you know, just recording shit on his computer, uploading it to Napster, disappearing, coming back, whatever. His song topics, his voice, his delivery, his rhyme style, his overall sound, all these things were very, very original. So aside from not being this out of left field, ridiculously unique character, and aside from having some sort of ridiculous image, everything about Benefit was pretty damn original. So he gets a tremendous score of a 9 in the originality department there. So you add all these six numbers up because you have the classic album. So you're going to add up the lyric score, the album score, the classic album, the song score, the impact score, and the originality score. You're going to divide by five because that's the number of categories we have. And that gives you a final rating of 5.90 which leaves Benefit in 22nd place of 195 artists done overall. Yay! So, while that's not necessarily an incredible finish, that's a very solid finish that should land him easily inside of our top 50 overall when all is said and done. And when you take into consideration that this kid is relatively unknown outside of the internet, has only had two albums he made on a computer microphone, 28 songs, no clear influences on any other artists, an impact score of 4, and he still finishes this high up overall, it's absolutely astonishing. I really do hope this dude comes out with another album because I really do feel he has potential, he has the potential to be one of the greatest rappers of all time should he continue to hone his craft. So, it'll be interesting to see if we hear Benefit's name ever again, but Nonetheless, this is a very, very impressive feat here, so major shoutouts to Benefit for accomplishing what he did in the manner that he did, no question. Now, let's move on to RZA, who, like I said, also had his debut solo album out in 1998. Born Robert Fitzgerald Diggs, July 5th, 1969, in New York City, United States. His years active are listed as 1984 to present. Also known as Prince Rakim, Bobby Steele's Prince Delight. The Abbott, Bobby Digital, Bobby Dynamite, Resurrector, Bob the Builder, and Bobby Wasabi. And his genres are listed as hip-hop. So I definitely did not realize that RZA was involved in the music industry since 1984. Having been born in 1969, that would have made him 15 years old. That's also 9 years before Wu-Tang had their debut album out. So both pretty interesting facts that I personally was definitely not aware of. So... Let's go and check out some more background information on RZA and see if we can find any other interesting facts. Robert Fitzgerald Diggs, born July 5th, 1969, better known by his stage name The RZA, is an American rapper, actor, filmmaker, and record producer. 
He is the de facto leader of the hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan, having produced most albums for the group and its respective members. He is a cousin of two other original Wu-Tang Clan members, Jizza and Old Dirty Bastard. He has also released solo albums under the alter ego Bobby Digital, along with executive producing credits for side projects. After forming the Wu-Tang Clan, RZA was a founding member of the horrorcore group Gravediggers, where he went by the name RZA Rector. RZA has been heavily involved in filmmaking since the late 90s. He has scored a number of films, most notably Kill Bill Volume 1 in 2003 and Kill Bill Volume 2 in 2004. He has written and directed in film and television, starting with his directorial debut The Man with the Iron Fist in 2012. He has also acted in numerous films and TV series, including the films American Gangster and Brick Mansions and the TV series Gang Related and Californication. He is especially known for his music production with a style that includes the use of soul samples and sparse beats that proved highly influential. The magazine The Source placed him on its list of the 20 greatest producers in the magazine's 20-year history. Vibe listed him among the top 8 greatest hip-hop producers of all time, and NME placed him on their list of the 50 greatest producers ever. So a couple of things I want to point out here. That 8th place ranking there by Vibe is the only one that is hip-hop related. The Source and NME both have him pinned as one of the top producers of all time. Not just hip-hop producers. So incredible stuff here from the very well-versed RZA. Yes, he's a rapper with more than one solo on top of all the Wu-Tang stuff he rapped on. And yes, he is also an even bigger producer than he is a rapper. But that's not where it ends for RZA. An incredible artist here who raps, produces music, writes scores for movies, directs movies, acts in movies, etc. On top of all this, he is the founder and driving force behind Wu-Tang even existing as a group. So absolutely incredible stuff here from RZA across the board for sure. Again, this study is about RZA as a rapper, but I don't want to downplay all of this man's accomplishments both in and outside of the music industry in general. So... Let's get into my breakdown of RZA as a rapper and see how that sounds. Even though RZA was actually one of my personal favorite Wu-Tang members, I didn't really expect him to finish great either in this study. I think it's becoming generally apparent at this point, however, that I appear to have been pretty wrong about Wu-Tang and its members. While my memory did serve me correct about RZA having struggles with his flow, I definitely slept on the amount of rhyme schemes he used and syllables he was able to rhyme. Though he was inconsistent from bar to bar and reached with some weak lines, he was also pretty good at keeping a topic and was able to tighten up some technicalities over time to finish average lyrically overall. Digi qualified 12 albums for scoring, 4 solo, 6 albums in an EP with Wu-Tang, and 1 collaboration album with Paul Banks of Interpool as Banks and Steels. Of those 12, 3 were great, another 8 were good, and only 1 was even average which was a short EP. Of his 130 qualified songs, 3 were both great and weak, and another 40 were good. Although I believe that Riz's impact on the hip-hop game is underrated by your average hip-hop fan, there's no doubt about the fact that the man who created the Wu-Tang Clan has had a profound effect on hip-hop in more ways than one. However, as a rapper, he only managed to have direct influences on artists like J. Ruta Damager, Nas, and a couple of others. Like every other Wu-Tang member so far, the Abbott shined in the originality department. From his voice, delivery, and samples, to his messages, beats, and overall sound, RZA undoubtedly paved his own lane. 
So that sounds like pretty decent stuff there overall from RZA. So let's jump right into the math and see how the numbers add up for him. Lyrics, he gets a five. And, you know, quite frankly, me personally, I didn't even really expect RZA to get that high. I'm not trying to say that RZA sucks. And, and right now, what I'm speaking of is I'm speaking of me listening to RZA prior to this study. Me prior to studying RZA. What I heard from RZA prior to this study was a guy who was really fucking dope at being a producer, getting this group together, um, you know, getting all this fame and attention and all this shit for Wu-Tang, and who liked rapping, and really wasn't necessarily quote-unquote a rapper, but rapped, and he wasn't as good as the other people, but he didn't suck so he could do it. And I'm not going to lie, I, I was a bit mistaken with that. RZA was definitely a better rapper than I ever gave him credit for. And I'm starting to notice a very serious and consistent pattern going on with me now. So, I've noticed that a lot of people who I said that maybe I liked or maybe I listened to when I was younger, but I didn't think they were that great. And then I wind up being wrong and I'm like, hey, they were a lot better lyrically than I gave them credit for. I would say almost 90% of the time that that happens, it's due to the amount of syllables that these artists are able to rhyme and the rhyme schemes that they're able to utilize in their rhymes. So I don't want to say that I didn't notice any of these things when I was younger, but it wasn't really something I paid any mind to. When I was younger, and again, this is not to say that this is the way that things go, I'm just telling you how my mind frame was when I was younger. You were either saying dope punchlines, you were spitting dope hard bars, metaphors, punchlines, things like that, or you were spitting deep, meaningful stuff. If you weren't saying any of those things, to me, you just weren't that good. I wasn't really up on a lot of the poetry technicalities that go into rapping and hip-hop and stuff like that, which when I say it is a little bit odd because... I've always been into poetry my whole life. I read Tupac's book of all the poems that he had written and stuff like that. And even as a younger kid, like way before I even started listening to hip hop, I, I always liked poetry. So it is a little bit odd to me that I had so many of these things like syllables rhyming and utilizing different rhyme schemes and stuff just kind of going right over my head. Again, that's not to say that I didn't notice them when I was younger. I just really wasn't giving people credit for them. It was like, all right, yeah, you're rhyming a lot of syllables, but so what? Well, it's not really so what, bro, because it's a lot more difficult to rhyme a lot of syllables than it is to just rhyme one syllable. So I think that all things need to be taken into consideration, and I'm, I'm glad for a lot of things that this study has done for me. Um, it's opened up my eyes to a lot of things that, to me, weren't really good and I didn't really care for, and now I can sit back and say, well, you know what? I still don't really like that guy or any of his music, but he is good. I will give you that. I didn't notice that when I was younger. He is definitely technically good. So I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to see things now for what they are as opposed to just saying, Little Wayne sucks. That used to just come out of my mouth all the time because I hated Lollipop. I hated the attention the guy was getting. I hated his voice, his delivery, and just things like that. And on the songs that I heard of him, he wasn't, as far as what I considered to be good, he wasn't good. But when I sat down and studied Lil Wayne in this study, he certainly was good. <laughs> and trust me, it pains me to fucking say that to you right now. Because 
I do not like Lil Wayne's music at all. I don't hate Lil Wayne as a person the same way that I used to when I was younger, but I still do not like Lil Wayne's music at all. So when we're speaking on like personal opinions and things like that, I'm still going to say, quote unquote, Lil Wayne sucks because his music sucks to me. But technically speaking, Lil Wayne is very impressive and I don't want to take that away from him, nor do I want to take it away from anybody else because there's been many other people that I was like, ah, I don't know, this guy's whatever, you know, and then I go through and I'm counting syllables and rhyme schemes and stories told and topics kept and all this. And I'm like, okay, this guy definitely does not suck. I hate his music, but he does not suck. So, you know, back to the pattern that I have been noticing the consistency of, I'm just noticing that a lot of these guys that rhymed a lot of syllables and did these rhyme schemes, I just, you know, I just wasn't giving these guys the credit that they deserved. That's not to say that just utilizing rhyme schemes and syllables is going to carry you to a nine. It's only going to carry you so far because everything is tears. Just a lot of punchlines, but all single syllables may carry you to like a six, six and a half. Whereas on the flip side, no punchlines really, but a lot of syllables rhymed might carry you to like a six, a six and a half. If you're doing a lot of syllables rhymed and punchlines, maybe you're a seven, a seven and a half. If you're doing a lot of syllables rhymed, a lot of rhyme schemes and punchlines, Maybe you're an eight, eight and a half. So it's the accumulation and the longevity of everything that is carrying people like Eminem, Black Thought, AZ, One Below, these people to eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. It's the fact that they're able to do all of it consistently over a long period of time. That's what's causing the separation. So again, I don't want to blow it out of proportion and say that just rhyme schemes and syllables is going to just carry you all the way up should you just put an ABAB rhyme scheme on every two bars. If that's all you can do, you'll be lucky to get a five and a half, six. So I just wanted to point out how I think that the syllables and the rhyme schemes were not given the proper credit by me when I was younger, and that was definitely something that RZA excelled in. Like I said, my memory did serve me correct. I did remember RZA having some struggles with his flow. And RZA definitely was inconsistent from bar to bar. You know, he had some reaches with some lines where I'm like, ah, man, come on. Like, you know, you, you, you can't think that that was a good line. You know, I mean, I feel like if I was to sit down with RZA right now, there are some lines that I could say to him that he'd probably laugh and he'd be like, yeah, I probably should have changed that one or whatever the case is. Maybe I'm wrong, but... That's just the way that I feel about some of his lines, and I feel that he and most people would probably agree with me on that. But like I said, yes, there was some inconsistencies, a little bit of trouble with the flow sometimes. He did reach sometimes for some weak lines, but on the flip side, he was pretty good at keeping a topic. And like I said, as time went on, he did tighten up some of those technicalities. And in tightening up some of those technicalities, he didn't really lose the amount of syllables and rhyme schemes that he was able to do. So there was a point a good chunk of Riz's career where I had him at a four and a half. And then as time went on and he was able to keep up with those syllables and rhyme schemes and he was able to cut out some of the inconsistencies, cut out some of the run on bars, some of the problems with the flow and things like that. I raised Riza back up to a five. So this is another scenario where should Riza come out with some more material in the future and it be on pace with his later material he could probably climb to a five and a half lyrically overall. So I'll be interested to see if that happens going forward. Albums, it gets a 4.51 with zero classics. And 
It's not a remarkable score, but that's definitely a very solid score. Like I said, there were 12 albums all together between the four solo albums, the six albums, plus the EP with Wu-Tang and the collaboration with, uh, with Paul Banks of Interpol as Banks and Steels, which was a very, very, very original project, which is not the category that we're on right now. But I just wanted to point out what an original and impressive project that was. But three great albums and eight good albums only one scoring as average and like i said that was a short ep that i believe there was probably like two or three songs on or something like that so not a lot of room there i mean yeah should two of those songs have been great then yeah would have got a tremendous score i get that but i mean people are gonna make average songs man this is art this is just the way it goes so that ep just happened to have all average songs on it again it was only two or three songs long but it does get an average score there. But other than that, everything good or great. So a very solid album score there for RZA. Songs, he gets a zero. Like I spoke about, he did have three great songs, but he also had three weak songs. So those even each other out. He gets a zero in the songs department, which is certainly better than losing points, which is what a lot of people do. Impact, he gets an eight. And let's talk about this one for a minute. Because as a person, RZA's impact on... The music industry and hip-hop is probably a nine and a half. There is a lot of things that RZA has done that I'm sure even Wu-Tang fans are not really aware of. There are, you know, and, and don't quote me on the names. I think I remember some of them, but I'm just trying to make a point. I'm not trying to be overly literal right now. There are some Bruno Mars songs RZA has written and produced. There are some Katy Perry songs RZA has written and produced. Things like this. So... When it comes to, you know, an artist and a person and a producer and stuff like that, Riz's impact on not only the hip-hop industry, but the music industry in general is very, very, very high. Probably a lot higher than your average person realizes. Now, on the flip side of that, Riz's impact strictly as a rapper tells two stories. On one hand, we have to look at the fact that RZA was never one of the more popular members in the group. He never sold as much as Method Man or ODB or, or anything like that. So he wasn't the standout frontman of the group, even though he may have been technically listed as their quote-unquote leader. Definitely was not the most popular in both, you know, street and barbershop talking and as far as record sales was concerned. So not the most popular guy in the group. As a rapper only had direct, real, clear, visible impacts on a couple of other artists, J. Rue the Damager, Nas, and a couple of others. But again, on the flip side of that, as a rapper, he is still not only a part of one of the biggest, most influential groups in hip-hop history, but the founder and quote-unquote leader of one of the biggest, most influential, impactful groups in hip-hop history. So I think we need to take all of those things into consideration. I think overall, RZA has had a very solid impact on the hip-hop community. And yes, I am speaking mostly as a rapper. No, the solo record sales or the popularity is not there in an overabundance, but Wu-Tang's is. So keep both of those into consideration. Maybe he gets a four and a half as a solo and Wu-Tang's got to get a nine and a half. Right? So split that. I mean, right there, you're looking at a seven just off of that alone. 
And then we also do have to factor in all that he has done for the hip-hop community, both as a producer and putting out other artists. Now, again, the score as a rapper holds more weight. That's why when we talk about maybe as a rapper, it's more closer to a seven, right? But probably a nine and a half overall, which would probably, if you average those out, would put RZA over an eight. Would probably put him at closer to like an eight and a half or so. But again, this is as a rapper. And while him as a producer and an artist is taken into consideration, it does not hold as much weight as him as a rapper. So again, overall, as a person and an artist, I think Riz is probably a nine and a half. As a rapper, we have him here at an eight, which is still a great score. I'm not trying to knock that at all. I'm just trying to point out to you guys where if we were looking at this not from strictly as a rapper standpoint, that number could certainly be a lot higher. But again, a great score of eight there for Rizza in the impact department. And originality, he gets a nine. Like I said, there's a lot of things to take into consideration here. First of all, the majority of the Wu-Tang members are just going to get good scores for originality off the bat unless they do something to negate that. Because Wu-Tang as a group was very original. I mean, just being a 9 or 10 man group off the bat is original. Their overall sound was original. Their names are original. You know, they're taking shit from kung fu films and putting in these samples. All this shit that they did was unheard of and never done by anybody before. So again, Wu-Tang as a group, tremendously original. Some of its members will either add to that or take away from that depending on what they did as a solo artist, both with their works and their image and stuff like that. So off the bat, we got a solid originality and RZA was only able to build on that. RZA's voice, his delivery, his samples, his messages in his music, his beats that he was making, his overall sound, all of this stuff. And like I spoke about earlier when we were talking about the album score, he had that album with uh, Paul Banks of Interpool as Banks and Steels, which was a very, very original album in its own. The whole entire overall sound of that album was super unique and original and something I hadn't really heard before. So again, we have one of these scenarios where RZA not this overly ridiculous character out of left field the same way that ODB was. But still a very, very original and unique artist, no question. So he gets an incredible score of a 9 there in the originality department. Now you add all those 5 numbers up and you divide by 5, and that gives you a final rating of 5.30, which leaves RZA in 36th place of 195 artists done overall. So not only a pretty good finish there from RZA, but exceeding my personal expectations, so... Another W for the Wu-Tang Clan, man, no pun intended. That also ranks RZA as the highest scoring rapper slash producer we've covered so far, but allow me to be clear on what I mean. I am not saying that RZA has finished the highest out of anyone who makes beats, because Eminem makes beats and produced some records that were successful, but everyone knows Eminem as a rapper first and a producer second. I'm speaking on the guys who are known as producers, but also tried their hand at rapping secondary to producing. So RZA finishing at the top of that list is not only impressive stuff overall, 
but majorly impressive stuff when you take into consideration all the X factors of what RZA was able to accomplish outside of being a rapper, which was even more impressive than his finish as a rapper. So major shout outs to RZA, man, for more reasons than one. No question about that. So with all of that done, now let's get into all of our lists, starting as always with our top 10% overall. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 195 artists done overall. Directly behind him in second is Jay-Z. Directly behind Jay is Big Pun, who's in third. Couple of slots back from Pun in fifth is Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks. Directly behind him is AZ in sixth. Directly behind him in seventh is Big L. Directly behind L is Nas, who's in eighth. And directly behind him in ninth is Method Man. Directly behind Meth is Cannabis, who's in 10th. Directly behind Cannabis in 11th is Black Thought of the Roots. Directly behind Thought, we have Killer Priest, who's in 12th. Directly behind Priest in a three-way tie for 13th is Tupac, Biggie, and Jadakiss. Directly behind them is DMX, who's in 16th. Directly behind him in a tie for 17th, we have Pharaoh Manch and Jusselah of Jedi Mind Tricks. Directly behind them is Talib Kweli, who's in 19th. And directly behind Kweli is KRS-One, who's in 20th place of 195 artists done overall. So even though we had pretty solid finishes by both artists, neither of them able to crack our top 10% list as we round just about the halfway point of this study. Now, early on in this study, you could have finished top 10 overall, but there were only 25, 50 people done. So as we continue to cover more people and some naturally score well, it moves people down. So these lists definitely becoming tougher and tougher to crack now. But regardless of the fact that neither Benefit nor RZA was able to crack this list today, we still do have something we need to point out here. A couple of weeks ago, I told you guys we had finally revealed our top 18 or 19 artists in order. Well, that has now changed. Someone I finished recently has landed themselves in fourth place and has slid Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks and everyone behind him back one spot. So again, I don't always point out every time people's spots or scores change because it's constantly happening. But when it's someone who's in the top 10% overall, I feel it's significant enough to mention. So obviously incredible stuff there from whoever it was, which will obviously be revealed soon. So... While you have to wait and see, it won't be too long of a wait. So, now we're going to move into our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, again, we have Eminem with a lyrical score of 9.5. In a 5-way tie behind him, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who all got lyrical scores of 8.5. In a four-way tie for seventh place, we have Method Man, Jay-Z, Big Pun, and Cannabis, who all got lyrical scores of eight. In a five-way tie behind them for 11th is Master Ace, Jizza, Common, Big L, and Talib Kweli, who all got lyrical scores of seven and a half. And then in a seven-way tie for our 16th and final spot here, we have KRS-One, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of Helter Skelter, Slug of Atmosphere, Jadakiss of the Locks, Killer Priest, and Benefit, who all got lyrical scores of 7. So we do see Benefit able to slide into our last and final spot here in our top 10% lyrically. And again, I just want to reiterate that while Benefit is scored as a 7 overall, I can guarantee you if this guy comes out with more material, he will be moved up rapidly as he is an absolutely incredible lyricist 
who just has a very tiny catalog to go by. So major shout outs to Benefit for officially registering as one of our top lyricists thus far and everyone else in this list here today for sure. Now let's get into our decades list starting with our OG 80s decade. So your top five artists to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. This list has remained the same since we started it, and I doubt it will ever change, although it's certainly not out of the question. Now let's move into our 90s decade. So your top five artists to come out in the 90s thus far are Eminem, Jay-Z, Big Pun, Vinnie Paz, and AZ. So we're now up to five weeks of no one being able to crack this list, and I think at this point, as we close out the 90s, it's pretty safe to say that the very high majority of artists will not be cracking this list going forward. It'll be interesting to see as we move into the new millennium and have our five names locked in place if anyone does anything to change any of those orders along the way. For now, let's get into our regional list. We'll start off with our East Coast. Your top three artists to come out of the East Coast thus far are... Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York, Big Pun from the Bronx, New York, and Vinnie Paz from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Moving across the country to our West Coast, your top three artists to come out of the West so far are Tupac from Marin County, California, Razkaz from Carson, California, and Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. Moving down South, your top three artists to come out of the South are Benefit from Florida, Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana, and Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest, your top three artists to come out of the Midwest thus far are Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, Proof also from Detroit, Michigan, and Common from Chicago, Illinois. So RZA essentially standing no chance at all to crack any of these lists as he's from the East Coast and essentially has to finish top five overall to get anywhere near that list. Benefit, on the other hand, takes over the top spot in the South, finishing 22nd overall, which is the highest of any Southern rapper thus far. Now, as time goes on, I will make sure that I stay on top of Benefit's background to verify that everything is indeed accurate because Benefit's music style is not of someone from the South, which certainly does not mean that he's not from there. But I was definitely taken back when I saw that he was a Southern rapper, so... It'll be interesting to see if that holds up, but like I said, very little info on the dude. That's all I was able to find on him currently, so like I said, I'll stay on top of that and keep you guys updated if anything changes, but for now, benefit the best rapper to come out of the South so far, and that obviously means someone has to be slid out, which unfortunately is Big Boy of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia, but Big Boy has been holding on to a top three spot from the South, I believe, since the day we started that list, so... Impressive stuff from Big Boy and Outkast in general, no question. So, again, major shout-outs to Benefit for taking over the top spot in the South, Big Boy for holding down a top spot in the South for so long, and to anyone else in any of these lists here today, of course. If you'd like to see any or all these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast. You'll see everything on there from left out list, did not make the cut, schedule of upcoming artists, etc., etc. So easiest way to follow along with everything in writing if you just want to take a look at something and not necessarily sit down and listen to a whole episode. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. 
Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. Greatly appreciate anybody that can hit that for me. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Next week on episode 61, we have Ja Rule, an underground rapper esoteric of the group 7L and Esoteric. And this one should be a pretty decent episode overall. So until next week, tell it the tapes. Peace. Tell it the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>